Hi everyone, welcome to the sixth episode of TNC's Down the Wire podcast. My name is Craig Norfair from the CTO at the Network Collective and I'm going to be your host for the next 20 minutes. As I'm sure everyone joining knows, TNC is the UK's largest independent telecom strategy and sourcing consultancy, supporting over 280 major UK multinational companies to get the best commercial, technical, operational and contract results from their network, telecoms and mobility solutions. I'm delighted to be joined today by Adrian Joyce, who's our head of consulting at TNC and our resident guru on today's topic, 5G. Adrian, would you like to introduce yourself, please? Yeah, uh, as you say, you've given my name, given my title. Um, I've been involved in mobile since very early in my career. I think mid-90s, I worked for a mobile company, and although I've moved into other fields uh, over recent decades, should I say, um, I've always uh, maintained an interest in mobile, and, and clearly it has relevance to both today's topic, but also my role here at the Network Collective. There's me thinking you're still in your 20s, Adrian. Oh, I know, I know. You, you, you do well, you do well. Um, okay, then. So today's topic, 5G, we've just touched upon that. Um, so it's certainly a hot topic at present. I think, you know, on the face of it, it appears to bring lots of exciting opportunities, um, both from, a, I guess, a consumer and enterprise world. I guess the question that I would like to answer today, and um, I'm sure one that our listeners would like to be answered as well, is, is this all hype around 5G um, or is any of it a reality? Um, so I think, you know, a good place to start with this is, 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 is at the basic point. So, you know, what, what does 5G actually bring? How does it compare to existing technologies that are available in the market today? Yeah, well, you're definitely right about the hype. So hopefully most of our, our viewers will have heard of uh, the key benefits of 5G. So certainly uh, speed, the, the bandwidth that you can get through 5G is phenomenal in comparison to previous iterations of, of cellular technology. Um, certainly we're seeing uh, speeds in the hundreds of megs and uh, testing speeds at uh, one gig, maybe even two gig. Um, low latency is the other um uh, big marketing message. So the the speed of transmission of that data uh, is, is very quick. Um, but you also have some other aspects that are less well known. So uh, high density, it can handle, 5G can handle a lot more devices in a small area than 4G can. Very interesting for things like internet of technology, or, or sorry, internet of things even. Um, other aspects are familiar to uh, us through 4G. So things like rapid deployment, uh, and publicly available. So albeit, and we'll come on to this, I think coverage is, is still building out across the country. It's very early days. Um, the, the beauty of 5G, unlike other WAN access technology, for example, is you don't have to get a circuit put into your, uh, your uh, location. It, it's in the air, it's there. So that allows you to, to uh, install a site on 5G very quickly. Uh, and then the, the uh, last one is probably the low unit cost, albeit the cost of 5G appears at this stage no different to 4G. Um, the benefit of having high bandwidth at a similar cost compared to something like fiber to the cabinet or Ethernet services uh, means that 5G technology can be a very low cost option compared to those if you can get the availability. So it sounds it sounds Asian, like we've we've heard some of this before when you know when from 3G to 4G you know is this any different really um, you know I know we've we've, we've heard and, about higher bandwidth lower lower latency lower costs you know is this really going to be any different? Uh, it's a really good question. Um, I think if history teaches us anything, probably not. Um, we certainly had it with 3G. Uh, 3G was going to uh, I was working at MCI WorldCom at the time. 3G was going to be the solution to putting uh, uh, killer streams into buildings. You wouldn't have to do it again. And of course, the world moved on. 
um, 4G as well has had some impact. So it has taken some uh, of the WAN access technology. Um, it's obviously given us a wealth of apps. So if your 4G phone falls back onto 3G, it's amazing how quickly you feel that it's redundant. You know, Google Maps doesn't work, Uber doesn't work, uh, your banking doesn't work, the BBC News website is really slow. Whatever it is you're doing, you really notice the difference. So I'm, see, I'm sure 5G will be uh, a continued evolution. But you're right, we have heard these things again and we uh, in the past, and we will hear it again. You know, we've got 6G being developed now, believe it or not. And I'm, I'm sure in 10 years' time, hopefully you and I are still sitting here doing podcasts, we'll <sighs> probably have the same discussion. So, yeah, it's, it's a slow evolution, I think. Uh, step change, it will bring about new features, features, new apps uh, and ways of working, which we probably can't even imagine today that in five years time will be lost without. But again, yes, I, I think it's a little bit hype. So you mentioned you mentioned IoT as well as part of that. Um, you know, do, do, do you think that I guess the, the sunset of some legacy technologies like PSTN, is that is that going to drive a different approach to um, things like IoT? And, and, and where, does, where does 5G sit in that? You know, is it an enabler effectively for some of this? Yeah, it is. Um, I think uh, another benefit of 5G that, that we didn't mention at the beginning was the low power consumption. So you need less power in your device to talk to the 5G network than a 4G network. And of course, you, you're going to have the sun setting, not just a PSDN, ISDN, but you also probably find at some stage at least some, if not all of the frequencies that are uh, used for 2G, 3G uh, will, uh, as I say, either be refarmed or uh, significantly reduced. Therefore, um, the IoT devices that are reliant on 2G, 3G will need to be replaced. And obviously, they have a, a, a certain um, age to them that, that at which point they'll be replaced anyway. But you do have some very difficult devices, uh, particularly we've worked for a few of the utility companies and particularly the water companies have little SIMs uh, in pumps that are, you know, 20 foot under the ground in massive, you know, my, my arms don't go wide enough, massive units. So they're not going to be easily and quickly replaced. Um, but certainly the where we see a big uptake in 5G is, is smaller devices because the power consumption is, is so, uh, so lower. Um, you, you therefore can get away with cheaper and smaller uh, tags to whatever it may be. Stock is a great example in logistics, for example. Okay, so I guess so far so good then. It sounds, sounds promising so far. It sounds like there's some, some reality behind this. Let's let's kind of focus a little bit on then the the kind of five G in the UK in the UK market. So you know the kind of you know, the reality around availability and who the key players are and actually how usable is it today? Yeah. So look, it, it, despite the hype, we, we've the five G networks were first came out I think just under two years ago with the E uh, first to the market. Um, so we're only sort of eighteen months in you know, maybe a little bit more to this rollout. It's really early days. There's also been some problems with Huawei kits having to be taken back out of the networks and replaced uh, at higher cost, as well as the additional cost of having to replace it. So the rollout is, is you know, it's relatively slow paced and will take another few years. You still have problems with 4G and even 3G coverage in some areas. And we've got the mobile rural network 
um, work going on between the four MNOs to try and uh, improve coverage in, in uh, the rural parts of the country with low or limited coverage. So 5G is going, going to take a long time to roll out. It's very expensive. Um, the cost benefit to the MNOs is yet to really come to uh, to pass. There's the, you know, the uptake is slow. We haven't got those demands yet, those uh, killer apps that people must use 5G for. Um, so in terms of the, the coverage itself, you're into the hundreds of towns and cities. So I think it ranges from about 100 to 150 odd uh, on each of the four MNOs, so three, Vodafone, O2 and EE. However, that comes with a little uh, caveat because just because they say they've got coverage in the town doesn't mean the whole town is coverage, yeah, uh, covered. It, it may mean that they've just got one single mast in that town or city. So a little bit of a health warning. We've also got additional spectrum coming up for auction from Ofcom that will increase the amount of spectrum and some of the frequencies that can be used. There's also improvements in terms of the release of the uh, underlaying um, technology that's used for, for 5G transmission. So again, over the years, we'll see evolutions of this. And what about what about sort of mass sharing and things like that? So what's what's the kind of current market dynamics? Is it going to be any different to where we've seen 3G and 4G rolled out, or is it still, yeah. still following the same process? Pretty much, it's following the same process. So we've got the mobile rural network where they're sharing uh, masts uh, in specific areas only, but then across the country, you've got a relationship between O2 and Vodafone, and you've got a relationship between 3 and EE where they do share masts. They won't share the same technology on the mast. Um, but they do share some of those masks. And I think the, the economics of 5G will just encourage that. What we're also seeing as well is uh, a monetization of the mask. So we're seeing a lot of setup of um, uh, internal companies. I think Vodafone are doing it through Vantage Towers, I think they've called it, um, which is their, the unit within Vodafone that looks, all at, looks after all the towers. Uh, and their press speculation is that they're going to go for an IPO in Frankfurt in the coming months to sell that unit off and then lease back the masts. So again, that will encourage mask sharing, I'm sure. Okay, so you touched on an interesting point there around monetization of this as well. And so, you know, what 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 I'm hearing then, and what I guess we're seeing in the market is that you know, the telcos or the MNOs, effectively, they the expectation is they're going to deliver five G, um, but the reality is they're probably not going to be able to charge any more money for it. Um, so, what does that mean it's, for them in terms of you know their backhaul infrastructures? Because they surely must need some investment in there. How are they going to actually make any money out of it, and what's their incentive around this? Yeah, this is the big struggle for them. I, I, I wouldn't like to be sitting in Slough or Newbury or St Paul's looking at the maths. I, I suspect um, it's quite difficult. As we say, we don't see either in the consumer or uh, the enterprise sector, much differentiation, if any, between the cost of 4G and 5G. Now, of course, you can consume more data more easily on 5G. Uh, so you would expect there to be more data consumption. But we're also seeing the beginning of, well, not just the beginning, we're seeing the commonality of all-you-can-eat bundles, certainly in the consumer space. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a challenge. But I think perhaps that's the area they'll make a little bit more money. So if they're charging you five or 10 pounds a month for a gig or a few gig of data at the moment, maybe they can in future years charge you 20 pounds for all you can eat, knowing that the average user might still only use, I don't know, five gig, 10 gig. Um, so actually they're getting more pounds in and 
does transferring a gig of data cost them that much more? Probably not. Um, but you're right about the backhaul. They're going to have to, or they have been investing for a number of years now in lighting up those masks with far bigger circuits, so gigabit circuits and 10 gig circuits. Um, that comes at a cost, at a cost, of course. However, do you know Ethernet market through our other work is also falling dramatically. So the costs that they were incurring or paying if they were using a third party for their 100 meg circuit are probably equivalent to their gig circuit today anyway. So, yeah, it's it's hard, um, but I'm is sure that- they... Sure, they've got some clever people working on it. I guess that's another dynamic as well, isn't it, Adrian? Where you know we talked about there around the the, the the fixed network pricing dropping as well. So you know, there's one possibility that actually 5G could be a, a fixed fixed connectivity replacement at some point, um, you know, where it's available and obviously the bandwidths are there and, and, and suitable for that kind of technology. Um, but yeah, if if the costs of them are falling, again, where's where's the incentive from a consumer basis to actually go and do something different? Yeah, absolutely. So. Look, I think it's horses for courses. Um, we've got a, a company we work with in the construction se- se- uh, sector, one of the biggest construction companies in the country. Uh, they've used 4G across their um, their construction sites for a number of years very, very successfully. They're beginning to use 5G where it's available, back to the caveats of very limited availability. They've described it as phenomenal. So the benefit for them is that they can just rock up to a greenfield site, uh, put up a porter cabin, and immediately have uh, access to, to 5G speeds. That is amazing. You can't get that with Ethernet. You're talking what, 60, 90 days, maybe longer if it's greenfield. So I think there's spaces where this will work really, really well. Will it compete with, uh, you know, a one gig Ethernet into your data center? Probably not, no. Yeah, that's really, that's really interesting. Okay, let's move on a little bit then and let's let's start looking at, I guess, the outlook for 5G. So, you know, if we start considering the next three years, um, you know, what, what, what should listeners be thinking about? Um, you know, what, what is the market going to look like? Is it going to continue to develop and grow at the speed that we've seen it? Is it going to accelerate, slow down? You know, what, what are our expectations around this? So I think a number of things have happened in, in uh, recent months. Uh, I think one of the biggest has been the launch of the Apple uh, 10. Uh, 12, sorry, iPhone 12. Uh, Why is that important? Well, so many customers use iPhones. And until the release of the 12, there wasn't a 5G iPhone. What that does is it it also uh, allows developers who create the apps to have access to 5G. Uh, What we're likely to see is someone very clever sitting somewhere, whether it's in a bedroom in Croatia or in an office in San Francisco, create an app that we all want, whether it's work related, whether it's consumer related, who who knows. But at some point, there will be some killer apps out there that are reliant on 5G. And that really has been accelerated by uh, uh, the launch of the the, uh, iPhone 12. But then, but so I guess if if we kind of follow that that thought process through, you know, we we, we obviously do a lot of work with customers, um, enterprise customers around mobility, um, and it's it's very very rare for um, enterprises to buy the latest and greatest devices. You know, they're all usually around the iPhone eight mark. Maybe some have pushed it mm. to, to, to to eleven if if you're lucky. The exec so. You know, who's, who's going to be buying these iPhone 12s? Is it purely focused at the consumer market or do I you think, expect this to come yeah. to enterprise at some point? Uh, 
I think there's there's early adopters, uh, certainly in the enterprise space as well. There are some organizations that like to be seen to have the the latest, greatest phone. It's a part of their corporate image. Uh, You know, we we work with some of the high-end estate agents. They drive around in in branded uh, company cars. They wear nice suits. You know, it's part of the image to to be seen with the latest technology as well. So there, there will be some early adapters in the enterprise. Um, but you're right, the majority of our customers will um, sweat those assets for a number of years and won't want to pay a thousand pounds or more for a, for a new device when a 400 pound device works just as well. But what you'll find is over the next couple of years, the iPhone 12 will be the 400 pound device and yeah. will be the sort of low end standard device. So inevitably, you will move towards it. At the same time, you're also having uh, the coverage rollout. So at the moment, it's still really limited. So even if you did have that killer app on 5G and you had an iPhone 12 or a Samsung, you're still not getting the coverage to make it usable across the country. But again, in two, three years time, this will be the norm. Okay, so if I if I was a customer and I was you know, trying to plan out my network and mobility strategy for the next three to five years, what what should I be taking into consideration now around five G? Yeah. Is, is it so, something I should think about or just forget about? I think it's something to be to be aware of, have on your radar. Is there a need for you to have five G devices to all your people at the moment? Probably not. No. Um, if you want your uh, employees to be able to download Netflix really quickly before they jump on a plane or, or a train, then maybe. But most customers don't think about their employees in that way that's why it's big in the consumer space it's really streaming uh getting that uh rich content quickly on onto your device um you've also got consideration of the um private uh use of 5g so the ability to carve out a piece of that spectrum and have it only for you and again that has limited but very exciting possibilities what we're seeing is some initial case studies focused on large campus areas so felixstowe uh, port is one example where they flood the whole port area with 5g technology is it better than 4g is it more usable than wi-fi 6 there's arguments both ways a lot of the uh, use cases for 5g when you look at them you think well i could probably do that on on wi-fi or i could probably do it on 4g so i think it's again it's going to take a couple of years for that for those case studies really to show the benefits over things like wi-fi 6 whether it's fewer access points whether it's the handover between ap's whether it's the latency whatever it might be and I guess, I guess in that example, you know, obviously the, the key difference is, is I guess for that example, it's more ubiquitous, isn't it? It's not, it doesn't, you know, Wi-Fi 6 or any kind of Wi-Fi capability still requires some wires to be deployed. It's still, you know, APs still need to be hooked up to a network somewhere. I guess with, with, with 5G and this model you're talking about, or this example you're talking about here is it's, it's just there. It's always available. They can consume it effectively wherever they are. So I think that's yeah, a, maybe a key th- differentiator there. For, for some, I mean, we, we were discussing with uh, one of the large supermarkets the other day, the, the fact that their stores are, you know, certainly the largest stores of their Faraday cages. So yeah, yeah. The, the, the penetration into a building of, of 4G, 5G is still going to be dependent on the frequencies. Quite often, the higher frequencies uh, have more problem uh, penetrating the building. So until the f- lower frequencies are refarmed or auctioned and used, then 5G may struggle to get in. So you might still need to have APs. And then I think it becomes a, a decision. Do you go for Wi-Fi where you know all of your existing legacy tech can work on it? 
all of your customers can work on it, all of your colleagues can work on it, or do you go for the uh, 5G and find actually only, I don't know, 10% of people have a 5G device? Um, again, in a few years time, you'll probably find all devices are 5G and therefore at that point, it might be sensible. Do you want to be ahead of the curve? Do you have 5G and Wi-Fi? Lots of questions, lots of uh, difficult questions, but you know, you have to look at individual use cases. You can't sort of make generic statements about these things. Yeah, I think that's 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 a real good good point. It's probably a good point to close on. You know, I think I think there is an emerging number of use cases around five G. Um, I think they will probably differ by vertical, um, as we've touched upon in a couple of examples here. Um, and we could probably continue talking about this for hours and hours around what we're seeing in the market and the yeah, different different use cases for different customer types. But Fortunately, I am conscious that we are running out of time. Um, so we will have to draw this one to a close and maybe pick up um, in another session a few weeks or months time. So Adrian, thank you very much for your Thanks, Greg. very, very interesting insights. Um, let's thank everybody for listening. Um, please do let us know if you have any questions you may have about this or any of the network telecoms topics. Um, you can obviously get in touch with us for our website, www.networkcollective.co.uk. Um, or any of our normal social channels. Um, so yeah, thank you, Adrian. And uh, thank you very much. Thanks all. Bye.